So I want to welcome again to uh, our series that we're calling Rooted. Now, once again, to be rooted is to deepen or to start, for some of us, our relationship with Jesus, each other, and to live out our purpose in this world. And so week one, we examined where are our roots? All of us have a root system, and so where are our roots, and are they centered, or could they be centered in God? Second week, we talked about how does God speak to us? And knowing that He does speak, are we listening? And so we're trying to encourage us to deepen our root system by listening more as God speaks. If you missed either one of those weeks, I'd encourage you to check it out online. And then last week, you know, Ryan talked about why is there suffering? That's one of the greatest questions, if not the number one question, that people ask or have asked either uh, in their struggle with God or in resisting God is why is there suffering? And here's what I want to tell you. Last week, was probably the best message that I've ever heard someone give on that topic of suffering. Can we just thank God for Ryan, you know, for doing that? If you missed it, I would strongly, strongly encourage you, you know, if you've ever thought, why is there suffering, good God, you know, why is there evil, that suffering thing, I would strongly encourage you. If you were here, I'd encourage you to listen again. Not just because Ryan talks so fast, but because there is so much there that even the second time that I heard it, I got so much more out of it even the second time. And so I'm just so grateful to have guys, you know, like Ryan here, you know, who could help communicate God's word in that way. Now this week, we get to talk about enemies we face, uh, the forces at work that are trying to discourage us to go deeper in our root system, you know, with God. In fact, we regularly, let's be honest, face battles on a regular basis. All of us are facing battles and we do it on a regular basis. Think about the battles that you have faced uh, uh, even today, this week, this last month. Doesn't have to be big, could be small. Uh, maybe I understand that sometimes it's just a battle getting to church. If you have kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the reason my wife and I take two cars, you know, and so I'm just saying we avoid that battle because I, I, I always remember growing up where uh, my mom would, this was the phrase, every single week. Next week, we're getting up 15 minutes earlier, boys, and we're leaving the house. And next week, next week, we're getting up 15 minutes earlier, boys. And so it's just a constant battle, you know, if you have kids and trying to get them going to try to get to church on time. For some of you, it could be a work project, right, that you've been battling. You know, it could be a, 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 you know, a home project, you know, that you're in that you've been battling. Um, last week, we battled the weather and lost you know, uh, last Thursday night, we had to cancel services, you know, because of the weather and the ice that was, that was a situation. Some of you guys have got, uh, developed carpal tunnel and uh, seen chiropractors because you've been doing this, you know, for the last, you know, couple of weeks. Some of you are in a battle right now with your friend. You know, maybe it's a coworker, a, a spouse, or a teenager. Maybe some of you teenagers are in a battle with your parents, you know, your friends as well. Others of you, you know, if you have a two-year-old, you're battling potty training. Boy, those are fun years. <laughs> Some of you are battling debt. You know, maybe your physical health, maybe mental health that you're battling or an addiction. Uh, some of you might be battling significance, meaning, or even purpose. Uh, you know the battle you're facing, but can you really name who the enemy is in the battle? In fact, I don't know if you've ever found yourself fighting the wrong battle. <laughs> in fact, you're fighting the wrong enemy. You don't even realize it, you know, um, at the time. You know, it, it, like in our military, you, know, you, you literally have stories of something called friendly fire, right? Where you are in an engaged, literal battle, not realizing that you're fighting the wrong enemy. Now, if you look at your life, sometimes you realize, hindsight being 2020, that 
you've been waging this battle, you've been fighting this enemy only to realize you've been fighting the wrong battle with enemy forever, ever, ever long. Some of you guys understand that. In fact, there was a commercial that uh, was a little older, but that reminded me of facing the wrong battle. So go ahead and watch the screen with me now. You know, you don't realize it till after you're done, you know, that you might be facing the wrong battle. Uh, maybe you've experienced this even medically. You've ever been diagnosed, you know, something, you realize it wasn't the right diagnosis. That means whatever battle you were facing with medically wasn't being fixed because it was the wrong prescription, because it was the wrong diagnosis. Uh, it actually happened to Ryan, you know, speaking of which, uh, he told me, you know, this last week that for a year uh, he was told he had an infection based on a brown recluse spider bite. And so for a year, it just would not heal, would not heal, until finally they did a simple test and found out it was a staph infection. And so you're like, you've been treating the wrong thing, you know, for a year. Uh, I remember, you know, um, growing up, I was probably about you know, seven years old, my dad loved the train sets around Christmas time. And he had these really nice, you know, train sets, and he'd invite the boys, but there was always a specific way to do it and set it up, you know, because dad had the right way, you know, to set things up and do things. And he told us this, we can play with the train sets. You can do that, boys, but I need to be here. You're not allowed to play with the train sets unless I am here for fear that something would go wrong. So as a 100% compliable little seven-year-old, I didn't listen to that. In fact, uh, as soon as he was gone, I would grab and I'd play because which little boy does not want to play with some train sets? And so I'd play and play and play. Well, one day I was playing and sure enough, I broke something. I don't even remember what it was, but obviously I broke something beyond repair. Because then he lined up uh, us three boys to try to find out who had done it. Now, what you need to know, a little backstory, my uh, older brother, Jim, uh, was uh, going into his teenage years, and my parents were battling him on a daily basis. There was always an argument, always a struggle of wills and all that kind of stuff, and so I could just see the tension and the battle that was facing. So he asked my younger brother first, uh, did you break the train set, whatever it was? And he says, no, Dad, I wasn't even here. Again, I'm a seven-year-old. He goes, Dan, did, did you break it? And I said, no, Jim did. <laughs> and he instantly believed me. Because, you know, he looked at my older brother, Jim, and says, did you break it? I didn't break it. He's lying. And they're like, you know, now they got more mad because they'd already been in battles with them. And so uh, um, what you didn't want to have happen in our household is you get what we call garaged. You know, if you get garaged, that means uh, uh, corporal punishment begins to take place. Yes, we call that spanking. And my parents did not abuse me, and I'm still okay today. You know, and so <laughs> my uh, brother got to go down and be garaged, you know, uh, downstairs, and he got the board, he got the paddle, you know, he came up, and he was crying. But as I heard the paddle taking place, and as I uh, uh, saw him coming up the stairs, I just lost it. I just started crying. My mom was so touched about my care for my older brother. She was just like, that is, oh, did you love your, oh, that's so sweet of you, little Danny. You know, I was like, yeah, I couldn't even get it out. You know, I'm like, and then finally I blurted it out. And I said, no, I said, I'm the one that broke the train set. 
You know, my parents, their look on their face, they were mortified, especially my dad. And my brother's been in counseling ever since. You know, so <laughs> it's just one of those, one of those things. But uh, not realizing that they thought, again, because they had experienced this battle, you know, with the older brother, that they thought that was the continual battle, not even thinking for a second that they were actually dealing with someone they shouldn't have been dealing with. They were supposed to be dealing with me at the time. See, there are battles that we face, but behind every battle, there is an enemy. And all of us have two common enemies that we will face on a regular basis. The first is external and the second is an internal enemy. Now, how many of you have seen the movie Hunger Games? Hunger Games, have you guys seen the movie? Okay, so you know our hero Katniss Everdeen, you know, has been thrown into what's called the Hunger Games where these uh, two from each district are thrown basically into what would be a, a modern day version of a coliseum where they would fight to the death until one is remaining standing and they would be winner of the Hunger Games. Kind of a sick, you know, idea to try to keep the peace in that time. Well, in the second movie, some of you might remember, she's back in the Hunger Games and she's fighting. She's not sure who's on her side, who's against her. And there's a character named Finnick who is in there and Katniss has her bow and she's got it pulled back and she's ready to let it fly and kill Finnick till Finnick says these words, Katniss, remember who the real enemy is. Remember who the real enemy is. See, it wasn't the battles that they were facing with each other. It was the battle who was putting on the Hunger Games in which they were facing. So she, he was trying to, rem to remind her who the real enemy is. The reason that's important is I think many of us forget who the real enemy is. See, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil is the great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, when it comes to the devil, when it comes to Satan, in our culture, we usually view it one of two ways. One is that we kind of uh, almost make it a myth where it's this kind of a cartoon character that uh, is kind of put off to the side. We don't talk a lot about the devil. We don't talk about a lot about demons. Uh, in fact, in our culture, you know, uh, I'm not saying that this is true in all cases, not by any stretch. I don't want a bunch of emails. But we have medically assigned everything according to our understand. Could it be that in some cases, with some of the designations that we have given to people, there's actually a demonic force at work that's taking place in a person's life? Okay? But in America, we don't, we don't, we, we, we don't want to admit that. We don't want to go down that road. And so we call it something else in people's lives. That's one side. The other side, you know, is that we take too much interest. You know, and so you see there's a section of people that take too much interest in that. But there's a middle ground that we need to understand that the real enemy that we are fighting with is the devil, not with people. This is going to mess up some of you for a little while, I hope, today and for actually for the next week, maybe even for the rest of your life. Your battle is not people. It's actually the devil. People are not our enemy. Your spouse is not the enemy. Your ex-spouse is not the enemy. Your kids are not the enemy. Your employer, your teacher, your coworker, your neighbor is not the enemy. Your mother-in-law is not the enemy. <laughs> right? Your enemies are not the enemy. The devil, externally, the devil and his forces is the enemy. But we don't fight the right battle. We find ourselves fighting the wrong battle. Let me give you an example. Jesus is about ready. Many of you know the story. He's about ready to go to the cross. And he calls his closest followers, 
three specifically, to stay awake and pray with him. To stay awake and pray. And he goes for an hour and prays, comes back, they're sleeping. Goes for, and wakes him up, says, you got to stay awake. So there's a battle that we're facing. There's, this is an important time. Stay awake. And he goes back and they sleep again. And so finally he says, all right, the time has come. You know, son of man is going to be betrayed. You know, I'm going to go to the cross, all that kind of stuff. And here comes Judas. Here comes the, the soldiers. And they come before him. And then all of a sudden, Peter remembers, I promised I would not deny you. I promised I would stand with you all the way to the end. And he pulls out his sword because the battle has begun. And he goes towards the high priest servant and he lops off the ear. And Jesus says, stop. That's not why I've come. Those who live by the door, the door, sword die by the sword. And he takes the ear from the servant and he kind of puts it on like a Lego. And, you know, it pops right back on. You know, this is the weirdest thing. You know, and he heals the guy, you know, that's right there. The reason that's important is because Peter thought the battle was against these guys. Jesus was trying to tell him, you missed the battle when you were sleeping. The battle's already taken place and you missed it. So your battle is not against flesh and blood. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says this, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We are not fighting against people, but against evil rulers and authorities in the, in the, of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against the evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, that's going to sound funny, but Barack Obama is not the enemy. Neither is Trump. Neither are Democrats. Neither are Republicans. We live in such a who's the enemy, who's the bad, who's on the right side. We don't realize that neither, it's not people that we are fighting with. Our external enemy is Satan and his evil forces. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about how to fight that in a second. But before we start ascribing everything to Satan, because you ever, ever come across somebody like that? They're a little weird, you know, when they say, well, you know, Satan didn't let me get this job and Satan didn't let me get this girlfriend, and Satan didn't let me get this parking spot. I'm like, no, you're an idiot, you know? That has nothing to do with Satan. You know, we ascribe too much to him, right? We, say, we, we just blame everything on Satan. Because the second enemy, which is just as powerful in our lives, is you. And it's me. The internal enemy we face is the greatest enemy that we face. Externally, it's Satan and his demonic forces. Internally, it's something the Bible calls our sinful nature. Uh, let me just give you some words that I believe that all of us can relate to that one of the greatest followers of Christ actually wrote. See if you don't relate. Romans 7.15, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Uh, and I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Uh, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war. See the battle? With my mind, this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Anybody else been there? Think about it in your own life. Man, there's so many things that I know I should do. 
to help this person in the name of Jesus, to, to love my family and spouse or other people or coworkers, friends. I know there's a lot of things that I should be doing that I know that God is leading me to do that I just choose not to do. And I know there's a lot of things that I shouldn't probably participate in, I shouldn't be involved in, I shouldn't find myself consumed by, but once in time and time and time again, I find my nature, myself, drawn to those things, and then I do it, and then I feel the shame and guilt afterwards. The things I should do, the things I shouldn't do, I find this work. Well, what is that? Even as a follower of Christ, it's called our sinful nature. That's the war that we are facing internally. See, it's time to be real. When I was a, a pastor in, in Arizona, uh, this was never more evident than, there, than then. Uh, Carolina and I, we were not in a good place. You know, uh, if you've not been there, there'll be seasons in your life, in relationships in general, and especially in marriage, where you will think that the other person is the enemy. And it felt like every day, it was just like every single day, there was something that we were fighting about, something over and over, and it was the same conversation differently. I'm just like, oh. She almost felt like she was the enemy. At the same time, we had two and four-year-olds, three and one-year-olds, around that same time. And I do believe that Satan incarnates three-year-olds, you know, I just, <laughs> there's something wrong, you know, but that's that sinful nature again, right? And so battling, 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 throwing yourselves on the ground, tantrums, all these kind of things, you're battling with your kids. At the same time, I felt like I was battling with the church. It's like every single time I came to church, there was somebody whining about something. I'm like, what a bunch of whiners. You're complaining about this and that and that. And so I just feel like a battle after battle after battle after battle. What I realized later is that the battle actually was from within. It was an internal battle. You see, I've learned, you know, that things can go terribly wrong externally. And I can still find, at times, contentment and joy in the midst of circumstances. Because the battle is internal. The battle is not with people. And when I think it's people, I got to realize it's their sinful nature too. It's the battle that they're facing that they're trying to take out on me. And so it's not me that they're battling as much as they're battling themselves. And I just get to take the brunt of whatever it is that they're going through. Maybe you've been there. So you know you're facing or fighting the wrong battle, the wrong enemy, when your language begins internally, externally, we say something like this, if only they would fill in the blank, uh, then I would be happy or content. If only my kids or teenagers would start behaving better, my boss would act differently. These things might all be true, but they're not the real enemy. It's the enemy within, or it's an external enemy that we're facing. We are either being controlled and led by God, or being controlled and led by our sinful nature or the evil of this world. There is no middle ground. There's no Switzerland in this battle. There's no neutral you know, sight. We're only on one way or the other. First John chapter two says it this way. Do not love the world or anything in the world. Hey, if anyone loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life comes not from the father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Sometimes you read that and you're like, okay, the Bible is so confusing. Do not love the world or anything in the world. So you're saying, I can't love sunsets. Can't love a good walk. I can't love my, my friends. I, I can't love uh, my house. I can't love. No, 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 no. We're taking our definition of the world and we're putting it in the Bible. What is John who's writing this? What does he say? Because he tells us what the world is, just the very next world, the very, very next verse. He says, The world, as he describes it, is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, 
and pride of life. He says, don't love those things. Those things would be representative of the world. The other things are fine. You know, it's fine in priority in terms of who God is. So before we move forward today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to self-reflect. I need you to ask yourself, specifically, what is your internal enemy? Can you identify the internal enemy, the battle that you face on a regular basis? Now, you could just say, it's my sinful nature, right? And if you don't get specific on who you're battling, you do realize your chance of winning the battle decreases dramatically. It's the same thing on the, on the other end. Have you ever tried to become a better person? Right? I'm going to be a better person next week. Hey, did you be, are you a better person? I don't know. I'm going to try to love more. You know, I'm like, oh, love more, good. Did you love more? Great. I don't know. See, here's what you need to do. If I'm going to love someone more, like if we were to say my, my spouse, if I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to love for more. If I'm in a small group, I would hope people in the group would challenge me and say, well, how are you going to do that? Oh, wait, wait a minute. I have to actually think about how I'm going to do that? Okay. Well, I'm going to buy her flowers on Tuesday. And then they'd be say like, well, what else? Well, I'm going to text message her. They'd say, when? Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. What time? 10 a.m. Okay. I write it down on my calendar. Do you realize that my success for loving my wife just went up a thousandfold? Versus saying in group, I'm going to love my spouse this week. I come back next week, I suck again. You know, that's what happens in our lives. We do this all the time. You're laughing because you relate, or you're just laughing because I said the word suck at church. Either one, it's, it's worth it. See, here's what I want you to do. You've got to pinpoint. You have to pinpoint what it is that you're battling. Do you already know what it is? John tells us that all the things that we'll battle in this world comes in those three categories. Lust of the flesh left to the eyes, and the pride of life. So see if you can figure out which one of yours. Uh, maybe start with the first one. Is yours lust of the flesh specifically? What do you turn to instead of God to love self, to love your flesh? Uh, these would be, you know, sex outside of God's design and purpose. This would be physical violence. This would be drug abuse. This would be pornography. This could be food. Ever gone to the refrigerator when you weren't hungry? It's the lust of the flesh. Uh, it, it could be caring more about your body than God's body, meaning something that you started out trying to be healthy has become almost an obsession, you know, in terms of this way, and you've actually elevated this body to an unhealthy level. That can also become a lust of the flesh. What's the battle that you face when you even look in the mirror? You know, what is that? Identity? The flesh side of yourself? Uh, maybe for you, it's lust of the eyes, Lust of the eyes is the word Bible calls coveting, wanting what others have, right? On a continual basis, never being content. So this would be like materialism, finances, homes, cars, latest tech gadgets, keeping up with the Joneses, clothes, shoes, homes. There's a myriad of things. None of those things are wrong or bad in and of themselves, but it's never being content, always wanting more and more and more and more. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's appearance, lust of the eyes. Maybe it's Instagram likes, Right? To be like, did I get enough people to look at my image or whatever it may be? Never being satisfied. Could be a hobby that you have that may be turned into an obsession. Let's see that. What about pride of life? Have you identified yours yet? Have we hit on it? Desiring to get credit or glory for things that others or God did. Uh, maybe it's desiring for others to kind of hold us in a higher esteem, to make a name for ourselves above all else, maybe desiring to feel valued or more important than others around us. You walk around thinking in your mind, I'm better than this person. You find yourself doing that on a regular basis, and it's a battle you face. Or desiring to have positions of power over others. 
in a way that puffs us up for our own ego for the sake of bragging rights. Maybe it's taking pride in what I do for a living, the accomplishments. I want to make sure that other people know subtly what I've done, that I'm important. And so I kind of spout off a resume even as I talk to other people. Maybe it's pride and other people should do the things that I think they need to do in the way that needs to be done, right? It's a control issue. And so if it's not done my way, the way I think it's done, then it's the wrong way. We find ourselves in that pride because I'm right. Now, let me be really clear. To be proud of is fine. To be proud in is where we find identity and where we find things going wrong. In other words, you can be proud of, you know, what uh, you've been involved in, proud of the things that God has led you to. You can be proud of your kids. But when you take pride in your kids, as if you're living your dream through your kids and your identity is your kids, then you can find that becomes a prideful thing. Like, for example, if I start thinking I'm proud of my kids for who they are and what they've done, that's great. But if I take pride that my kid is better than your kid, which is true, <laughs> then we know it's an issue, right? Then we know, wait, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Does that make sense? So it's the pride of versus the pride in. Have you identified yours? Do you know which one it is? What's the battle that you face on a regular basis? Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. What we tend to do is we tend to look at other people's battles, and when we find out about it, we kind of scratch our heads sometimes, and we say, why are you struggling with that? That's, that's easy. That's nothing. I realize that internally we're facing a different battle. It's the same, but it's different. It may be called something else with whatever we're facing. All of us are facing a battle. How do I know? Because we all have a sinful nature. So all of us, which is why we call this Valley Real Life, you do realize that you're battling, when you battle in the dark, it, it, you have a greater chance of loss than you have a victory, but when you expose it to the light and you bring other people in, there's a greater chance to see God do his thing. You know, this is as old as time. This is, this is, the, this is the thing that Satan did at the very beginning. He, you do realize that his conversation with Eve is the same conversation that he has with us that we have internally. Go back to the very beginning when it says this, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasing to the eye, lust of the eyes, and it was desired to make one wise, even above God, the pride of life. She took the fruit, she ate it, and then she gave it to her husband right? It's the same. So here's the good news. I don't want you to walk out of here going, man, I just have a battle and that kind of stuff. I want to give you good news, positive opportunity. Here you go. Jesus gives us the power and ability to win our battles. There's no amen to that. Come on. You're in a battle. You're in a fight externally and internally, and Jesus gives us the power. Like when Paul is writing, he says, I can't do the good. I don't want to do the good. I want to do. I don't do. Who will save me from this body of death? His answer is the next verse. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus gives us the model and the example. In fact, he demonstrates for this, you know, if you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 4, just open that up because in Matthew 4 verses 1 through 10, you'll have a chance to, to go deeper even a little bit this week. It talks about that Jesus was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. Okay, temptation is not wrong. It's giving in to temptation. The battle is not wrong. wrong. It's when we give in, give in or give over in the battle that it becomes an issue in our lives. So he, he goes to be tempted by Satan. Now, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says. And then it literally says these words, which the Bible is pretty funny. And then it says, and he was hungry. 
Nobody ever stopped like, thanks for that detail, Matthew. I miss a meal and I get hungry. He's 40 days without food and he was hungry. Okay, so we understand fleshly, what he was trying to prove is that in his flesh, even though he's got a human form, he's fully man and he's physically starving, okay? That's how hungry he is. During that time then, at that moment, the devil came to him and said these words, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Lust of the flesh, right? Your own power. But Jesus told him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he says, okay, lust of the flesh didn't work. Let me try another way. And the devil took him to a holy city, Jerusalem, the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Pride of life. Look at me, and look what I can do. And Jesus says these words. The scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Satan's like, all right, let me go to the third one that I used against Eve, that I'm trying to use against Adam, or they used against Adam, and I'm trying to use against Jesus. Next, the devil took him to a peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you if you will kneel down and worship me. Lust of the eyes. See all these things? It can be yours. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So what do we do in this rooted experience? The battles that we're facing, do you realize the battle is not against flesh and blood? The battle is internally and it's externally. And even other people are facing internally and externally. And Jesus says the power that we have to fight is going to be through prayer and it's going to be centered on his word, not being led by our feelings. If we're led to make decisions based on our feelings, we will fail time and time and time and time again. Here's what I want to encourage you with. 1 John 4, 4 is you belong to God. For those of you who not yet received Christ, this is the first step. You belong to God, my children. You have already won a victory over these people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Greater is he who is in you than is he that is in the world. You and I can find victory because of Jesus. Colossians 2, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins, past, present, and future. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. That's the God that we serve. You're not alone in the battle. Jesus is fighting there with you. Will you rely on his strength through prayer, through his word, and with the help of other people? The hard part is that we feel shame in our battle. We feel shame in the fight because we keep falling into whatever it is over and over and over, or we don't recognize it. And so we don't want to admit it. We don't want to share that. And so we find ourselves fighting in the dark and fighting by ourselves, but strength comes as we're with other people and we're focused on Jesus together. You can find victory. I can find victory in Jesus' name. How do I know this for sure? You need to come on Monday night to recovery. See, our recovery group is about hurts, habits, and hang-ups. In other words, anything you know you can't get through on your own. And you will go there, and you will hear them say something like this. How long has it been since you and you fill in the blank? It's been a day. It's been a week. 
It's been a month. It's been several years, and they hold on. You ask any person who's gone or is in recovery, and you'll ask them, hey, is the battle over? No. It's a battle I still fight every single day. Lest we forget, we're all in recovery. We all battle our sinful nature. It may be different than those who are going to recovery, but all of us are fooling ourselves if we don't realize this battle that we're facing. Recognize who the real enemy is and recognize the tools that God gives us to fight that enemy. And imagine what can happen in your life if you start finding victory over the things that are entangling, victory over the things that are holding you down, victory over the relationships that you're having because you realize that it's not the person you're fighting, it's internal and it's their internal battle as well. What could take place this week if you walked out of here recognizing who the real enemy is externally and internally and the power you have at your fingertips to fight? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. And I pray, Father, there's anyone here who's not yet received you, that they would receive the power that can only come from you as we open our lives to you. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to engage in these battles Lord, I know certain days I don't win. Other days, I only win because of you. Help us, Father, to open ourselves to one another, to open ourselves to your word, to be guided through prayer, and to find victory that can take place because of your son, Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.